0: Hey, and welcome, welcome, welcome uh, to all of you. I want to say a shout out to all who are watching online, man. So good you're with us, and love we're all the church family together. Then all of you on the patio right now, uh, I love that. I love that you have a chance to enjoy being out there. And if you guys didn't know this, people are starting to bring their dogs on the patio. Which I'm saying, do it. Bring your dogs. Uh, you know what? We'll get them saved. We'll baptize. They're not really. <laughs> no, but it's fun to see the dogs out there too. And so I just love that we get to be a church family. But there's three things I'm super excited about today. Three things that all kind of culminated in this moment. Uh, and this is one of them. One is this is the official opening of our building. Uh, so... We did uh, two weeks, of course, allow people in, but those are what we call more the soft launch. This is the the official time, and I don't know if you've thought about it. It's been nearly a year that we've been going through what we're going through, and I feel like this is almost symbolic of something new coming our way. Uh, I was talking to a woman who actually is Hindu. She is dying for us to open the building. And I thought, well, are you going to come? And she actually looked at me and said, I might, I might, because it was just kind of a big deal to her. And uh, so uh, anyway, we're excited about opening the building. Uh, The other one we're more excited about, we are celebrating today, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus. And so uh, I'm super excited we get to do that. And that was a day like no other. And and we're going to talk about why. Why? That was a day like no other. And then, of course, uh, for a lot of us, I, I want to say for me, I am super excited today. Not only to be uh, uh, the fact that we're celebrating Palm Sunday and the opening of the building. I'm really excited we're ending the fast. Uh, so if you're brand new, we've been fasting with some shaking heads. Yeah, we've been fasting 40 days from something, for something, and for someone. And uh, uh, I don't know how many of you, I have loved the fast but I'm glad when it's over. In Ecclesiastes, it says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And I think he was referring to the fast when he said that, Uh, because I've been fasting from bread. uh, And I mean, it has been harder than I thought. Yesterday, yesterday, one day uh, before the fast ended, I actually said, Lord, would it be okay if I ended today? And I didn't, I didn't, I waited. But man, I've been waiting, I've been waiting. I got up this morning and had a donut, yeah! And uh, then I can't wait to have tortillas. I can't wait to have a double-double with a bun. I know some of you guys say, well, they have them protein style. I know, I've been having a Prostine style. But it doesn't say that, you know, that, that Jesus is the lettuce of life. It says Jesus is the bread of life for a reason. Um, and so, but sometimes the waiting's hard. Uh, one of the things, the beauty of the 40-day fast is you, you hit a place where you start to wait for it to be over in a good way. And uh, most of us, I actually, how many of you would say you're not good at waiting? How many are not good at waiting? If you're uh, online, put it in the chat. Say, I- I'm not good at waiting. And uh, I'm not good at waiting. Uh, when I go to a restaurant and sit down, I want the server to be right there taking our order. I don't know about you guys. Uh, when I here, I have to go to a waiting room, that never is a good thing. Um, and so in the waiting, the waiting can be torture. And there's something inside almost all of us that struggle with that. Some of you are in the midst of waiting still for a relationship to go through reconciliation. And you're waiting for and hoping for that to happen. Some of you are waiting on a job promotion. Uh, some of you are waiting to get your kids back to school. Some of you are waiting for a future husband. Tracy wrote that in my notes. <laughs> You actually really did. (laughs) Okay. She's going to kill me. Um, She's waiting for the service to be over, so I'll pay. Um, But uh, the fast, I think, brings out the idea of waiting. And, And then it also brings some level of disappointment when what you've been waiting for doesn't happen. And God's God's actually okay with that. Just so you know, the Lord's okay with that. Uh, In my fast, we all fasted for something and for someone. Uh, My for something has not happened. My for someone, I had a multitude of someones and a couple of them, it did happen. Uh, And I would say I got emotional when it occurred. I was like, oh, wow, Lord. But one of my biggest for someones didn't happen. And year after year, I have fasted for him because I love him. And uh, I'm going to end this, I did end this fast without having what I wanted to happen happen. Will I have less faith in God? No, I think my faith will be even stronger. But there are times you come to a moment and you say, okay, Lord, um, I've been waiting. Now, what does that have to do with today? It has a lot to do with today. The people of Israel were waiting. Daniel the prophet told them about a day, and that's what we're going to be talking about. He actually named the day that we call Palm Sunday. In Daniel chapter 9, he said, From the issuing of this decree till this moment happening... Uh, Daniel said, and he actually uses wording that meant there'll be 173,880 days. And guess what? We come to Palm Sunday and it happened. Zechariah was very invested in this day. And uh, so Zechariah talked about what would occur on this day. And the people were waiting. They had been waiting 500 years since Zechariah made that prophecy. 500 years of waiting for a man who would come and release them from bondage. A man who would come and give them hope. A man who would come and give them peace. And they called him the Messiah. And he came. By the way, that's one of the big evidences that Jesus is the Messiah. This moment, this day, this time. And so in this moment, uh, Zechariah talks about it and he said what are you to look for what's going to happen on this day and in Zechariah 9:9 9, 9, it said rejoice greatly o daughter of zion shout aloud o daughter of jerusalem behold your king is coming your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey so the day is picked The way it would occur has been named and described, and Jesus would do exactly what he was supposed to do, exactly what was promised. And so isn't it interesting how precise this is? He's going to come on a donkey. A donkey was a symbol of peace. Uh, when When a king came or a general came and they had brought conquest, they never came in on a donkey. They'd ride in on a horse, right? Yeah. And that horse was a horse symbolizing victory. By the way, when Jesus Christ comes again, he's coming on a horse. He's coming victorious. And so, yeah, praise God for that. But you and I have a a choice we get to make. Do we want him as our Savior and Lord, or do we want him as our judge and conqueror? And so right now, we're in the midst of being able to choose in the midst of our waiting moment. But Zechariah said 500 years before it happened, this is what would occur. And then on that day, it did. On that day, it did. And it started in a very interesting way. As they were approaching the Mount of Olives, Jesus told uh, two of his disciples. By the way, we don't know what two. I don't know why on this one the, the two aren't named. He said, I want you to go in that village, and I want you to find a donkey. And next to the donkey is going to be the donkey's baby, the colt. The word colt there is a description of a younger animal that's never been ridden on before. And I want you to take the baby and bring it to me, the young animal, and bring it to me. Uh, If someone asks you, why are you doing this? You just say, the Lord has need of it. And so in Luke 19, we see the beginning of the fulfillment of what Zechariah had described. And it says, after he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he approached Bathpaj and Bethany near the Mount of which is called Olivet, the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, look at these words. Go into the village ahead of you there, and as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one had ever sat. Untie it and bring it to me. By the way, Matthew said, he said, there'll be a donkey, and there'll be the colt, the foal of the donkey. Bring me the baby. He said, if anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to them, why are you untying that colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the colt. And notice what it says next. Don't miss this words. They put Jesus on it. Now, if some of you are going, why are you making a big deal out of that? Let me kind of back up and have you think about it. Uh, and most of you probably know that if you have a horse or a donkey that has a baby and you mess with the baby, that you'll pay a price. Does everybody know that? Like at one time, uh, I, I, I met a man named Chuck Lemon, and Chuck was a very, very, uh, 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 very, very well-respected veterinarian. And he brought me out on his rounds with him. And we came, and there was a horse that had just had a fall, and he warned me. He goes, she was already mean. Right now, you need to know she'll kill you if you touch her baby. And Chuck, I need you to hold her baby. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Go back to the kill part. No, seriously, he needed me to hold the baby. The owner was going to hold her. The minute she saw me touch the baby, she broke free from the owner and came at me. Now, I hope you know when horses are coming that way, she's got her mouth open to bite me. And I can promise you, I was very, very scared. I am freaking out. I am let go of the baby and I am running, but she's still hunting me down. Now, the, by the way, a donkey would do something similar. So when Jesus said, Go take that baby, they had to really trust in Jesus to do it. Now they're going to also take a baby, not only away from its mother, but its owner, at a time they would need it more than ever. It's Passover. This is the busy season. So you know what? It would take incredible faith to go in a and just bring it. Uh, that would be much like me saying to you, hey, I really need to, to use a car. Would you go over to the Vaughn's parking lot and there'll be a car there with the keys in it. Would you just drive it over here and bring it to me? How many of you would go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Does the car belong to you? Nah, just take it. But Jesus told them and they did it. For over three years, they had watched him do the miraculous. For over three years, they hung on every word he said. And it always came True. So they walk into the town, and there it is, just as Jesus told them. And they did exactly what he said. And then when Jesus sat on the colt, what happened? It immediately obeyed. By the way, does everybody know if you sit on a donkey or you sit on a horse that hasn't been broken, what happens? Yeah, they'll bolt. They'll they'll throw you. Jesus just hops right on. And, And the animal obeys. The animal welcomes him. Why? Well, because he's Jesus, he's Lord, Lord of all creation. But there's another reason why. What is the other big why? It's the day. This is the day that Zechariah talked about, the day that they had been waiting for for over 500 years. And so in that moment, Jesus is about to do something amazing. He's about to ride down the Mount of Olives on a donkey that's never been ridden on in a sign of peace, but also revealing who he is. And so I want you to think about this. There are three things that we see happening that you and I need to to take to heart, apply to our life. And, And you might be saying, okay, what are you talking about, Chuck? Get ready. When you're in the time of waiting, when you're in the midst of maybe even some disappointment because you've been waiting, There are three things we can learn from this that will change our life for the better. And so, what is number one? Number one is you and I need to be obedient in the waiting because then good things are gonna come. So, while I'm waiting for my for someone, I need to be obedient to the Lord. While I'm waiting for something else to occur, you need to be obedient. In uh, 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 you waiting for God. And so what we need to do is do what they did. They were immediately obedient, and you and I need to be obedient to the Lord in every way, every possible way we can, because when you do, something amazing is going to happen. Because they were obedient, they were about to watch something occur. Look at this. That's the Mount of Olives. If I ever get to take you to Israel, and Mike and Diane, we got to go there together, um, it is amazing to go to Israel. It's life-changing, right? And so on the Mount of Olives, if you look up on the right and you see where that big building is, that's right where they would have gotten the donkey and brought it to him. And he would begin to do a descent on the Mount of Olives, just like, please don't miss it, exactly like Zechariah described 500 years before. He would go across the crest into where our center screen is. And where you see all these trees, he would start descending down and right in the very top of that center screen he would stop for a moment and he would cry he'd be brought to tears moved with such emotion that he had to stop before he finished the descent but but i want to talk about that in a minute but i I want you to know, why did all this begin to take place? Why were there the cheers? Why was Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday? Why was the triumphal entry happening? Well, it began because they were immediately obedient. See, for you and for me, I think it makes more sense. It's more vital. It's more needed for us to be obedient in the time awaiting. To be obedient when you're wanting something to occur and it hasn't yet uh, one of the things I fasted for during the fast was uh, Tracy's future husband um, and, and I did really, right and one of the things I trust is Tracy is willing to wait for the right man to come and, and to live her life faithfully to God And I believe that's part of why, a big part of why God is going to answer my prayer and they'll become this big man, strong man, a doctor earning good money. I'm kidding, I don't know. But when he looks at her, he's going to go, wow, you're exactly what I was waiting for. The purity, the devotion, yeah, all those things, yeah. So you and I need to be faithful in the waiting. Does that make sense? Uh, If you're waiting to have a child and for God to bless you, then then you need to be faithful and handle your money correctly for when the child comes. Doesn't that make sense? Uh, When you're waiting for that reconciliation and and that person is more your enemy and they, they sometimes act out, then you need to love your enemy and be waiting faithfully. By the way, the enemy could be a spouse that you're waiting for God to do a great work in their life, but you need to be obedient and faithful in that moment. Uh, it could be a coworker that's giving you problems, and you need to still walk in faithfulness. It could be you're not sure what decision you ultimately need to make, but you need to make all the right decisions till you get there. So you need to be faithful in the waiting. So here's my question for me, and here's my question for you: What? God wants you to do right now so you can be faithful. Jesus actually told the apostles after he died and rose again, he said, I want you to go in Jerusalem and wait until you're endowed with power on high. But what did the waiting meant? They went there and they prayed. They went there and they, they sought God. They went there and cared about and loved each other. And then when their moment of a victory was about to happen. Their moment of blessing was about to descend literally from heaven upon them. They were faithful. So in this moment, we see it happened the way it did because they were obedient, obedient to the Lord. They went and they got the donkey. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on it. And they walked with him on that amazing descent down the Mount of Olives. Ah, and then it began to happen. It began to happen. They began to praise God. And by the way, let me say this. The first thing you do in a time of waiting is you are obedient. Second is you start praising God. You praise God in the waiting. And so while they had been waiting for him for 500 years, now they're in the midst of praise. And in John chapter 12, 13, it says, So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, and crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. The word Hosanna literally means save us, or it might even mean King save us. But, but the idea is they're calling him their king. They're praising him in this moment. And, and that's when God's about to reveal something great. They had been waiting again 500 years, and in the midst of the praise, the answer starts to come. So when you and I are waiting for something, obedient and number two praise God praise God in the waiting now it's so interesting to me oh we're switching mics again thank you Shana let Shana know we appreciate her (laughs) by the way our tech team is so good they really are and the only time you notice them is when things don't go right Uh, so you know I don't want to say praise God for you guys who uh, work so hard too But we praise God in the midst of the waiting is what I want to get to. So they're praising the Lord and praising the Lord. And the Pharisees begin to freak out. Why? Because what are they doing? They're, say, calling Jesus their king, which now means Caesar's not. And the Romans aren't going to like that. Remember, they're under Roman occupation. And so the Pharisees not only are jealous of Jesus, they also know the ramifications of this moment. And so they say, tell them to stop. Tell them to stop. And what did Jesus say? Does everybody remember? If you don't, it's awesome. He says, if they don't praise me, the stones will cry out. If they don't praise me, the stones will cry out. Uh, So in this moment, what is he talking about? Well, when you look at that picture of the Mount of Olives, what you begin to see is you're looking down. This is Jesus' view. Well, actually, that's the view he would have saw looking up. But looking down, Jesus would have saw thousands of these. What are those? Those are ossuaries. Those are where you put the bones of, of your loved ones who depart. It was the way they do burial. This is one of the oldest cemeteries in all the world. And about half of it would have been occupied with those ossuaries at the time of Jesus. And Jesus said these words, if they don't praise me, I'm telling you the very stones will cry out. What stones was he talking about? I want you to see right here. See, on every single one of those, what do you notice? stones. Because in Jewish culture, and by the way, in other cultures too, in Jewish culture, you don't leave flowers. The flowers will drive up and wither and blow away. You leave stones, which are called the stones of remembrance. It's a very personal, very touching thing to say, I'm never going to forget this person who is a part of my family or a part of my life. And they place the stones there. But they're not placed there just to remember. What else are they placed there for? You you probably already know. Ready? They're placed there with the belief that one day that loved one will rise again in the resurrection. So Jesus is saying, as I'm coming in on this day, the day that Daniel prophesied, that Zechariah longed for, look at this. They are calling out that, that the stones are ready to praise me because I'm going to bring forgiveness and hope and, and then eventually a pathway to heaven. 500 years this has been waiting for. 500 years he's promised this. And now this moment's coming. And he said the very rocks, the very rocks that have been prayed over and and laid here are ready to cry out. And so what do we do? Well, we learn that we need to be people who understand the power of, of being obedient, number one, and praising God in the moment, number two. And then what's number three? We need to be prepared in the waiting. We need to be prepared in the waiting. So in this time where we're waiting for Jesus Christ to return the second time, you and I need to be obedient, we need to praise him, and we need to be prepared. Now, who was, who was really getting ready for this moment is the man I keep mentioning, Zechariah. Because when you go to the Mount of Olives, actually you can actually go, and we got to go to it, to the tomb of the prophets. It's about midway down the descent, Jesus would have ridden right next to that very tomb. The tomb of Zechariah, the tomb of Malachi, and the tomb of Haggai. Zechariah's is the biggest. You go way deep down into the ground. By the way, if you ever get to go, it is like, would you guys agree it's awesome? Like, you get chills. You're going down into these tombs. Underneath the ground in a dark, dark cave, the only light you're allowed to have are candles. And you walk in and you begin to see. You begin to see the different places that they began to honor these prophets. Zechariah's is the biggest. And Zechariah wanted to be buried there because God had told him the Messiah would come riding on a donkey. And so he's in the very path. God also told Zechariah that that later that same Messiah would Ascend from, descend from heaven and would land on the Mount of Olives, and then he would bring an end of all things, an end of all time. And so we got to go there. This right there, where you see that candle is, that dark, dark area behind is Zechariah's tomb. And Zechariah was prepared for the day the Lord would come. He told his followers, You bury me on that spot because I want to be there. When he comes back and takes me home. He knew the day. He knew the time. He knew what would happen. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with me and you? Get ready. We're living in the last days. We've been waiting now just like they were waiting then for our Messiah to come back. Jesus has told you and I to be ready. Now, you might say, how? Number one, he said when Israel ceases to be a nation and becomes a nation again. No, that's the beginning of the countdown. That happened in 1948. It, by the way, it's a miracle it happened. We all, Everybody here, you take for granted there's a nation of Israel. For prior to 1948, there was no nation of Israel, but the Lord miraculously brought them back. He said when Jerusalem's back in the hands of the Jews, that is the pivotal sign of all signs, the end of the time of the Gentiles, And in 1967, that happened. He said, Jesus said, when diseases begin to take over the world and change the way we live, this pandemic was a sign from God that we're closer than ever to his coming. By the way, he also said, when you see a cashless economy take over, do you guys realize how close we are to that? And the COVID crisis pushed us even closer. And he said, when you see Russia threatening the peace of the world, a superpower one day that will threaten the peace of the world, then know how close you are. By the way, at the time that prophecy was given, almost nobody lived where Russia is. But would you all agree that Russia is a superpower right now that's threatening the peace of the world? Would everybody agree? See, all of those were signs. And so they, they had their signs. We have our signs. And we need to be prepared now. See, you need to be ready now. So the question is, are you and am I? Are we people who are ready for everything God has for us? Are we living our lives so we won't miss out on all God's going to do? See, on that day... On Palm Sunday, the triumphal injury day, there were those who were ready, those who were aware, and those who missed out. And the ones who missed out, it was tragic. That's why Jesus, midway down, stopped and began to cry. And he said, if you had known on this day your day, the things that God has for you, he said, but you don't. So he said, one day soon, armies will surround this city. Destruction will be great. And not one stone will be left upon another on Temple Mount. And Jesus cried because he knew the pain. He knew the agony. He knew what was coming. Why? Because so many weren't ready. I really, really, really want you to be ready. Uh, If you were brand new, I preach about this all the time. Uh, If you've been attending here, would you agree I preach about this all the time? And I do not want one of you not to be ready when that day comes, your day comes. So the question right now is, are you ready? Are you faithful? Are you obedient, praising God, and prepared? If you're not, you might be saying, well, how do I get prepared? The answer is, commit your life to Christ. Begin to follow him. Let him love you. By the way, that's why. When you come to the Lord, he wants to love you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to empower you. He wants to show you your purpose. The greatest life you could ever live is the one Jesus most wants for you. That he died for. So you could know him and know his love. So right now, Let me ask you, are you you truly, truly in a very real relationship with the Lord? Are you living your life with Him? Are you experiencing His, His presence, His love, His guidance in your life? Because that's what's supposed to happen. It's a very real relationship. And so right now, if you either need to for the first time commit your life to Christ or if maybe you need to recommit. By the way, I, I've always offered people and called for people, begged people even sometimes to recommit their life to Christ, to come back to Him because God would never leave or forsake you, but you may have left and forsaken Him. And it could be in your attitude. It could be in, in your motivations along with your actions. But the Lord would always say, come back. Always say, come home. Do you know there's nothing you could ever do where Jesus wouldn't love you? But you can keep yourself from his love by not coming to him. So right now, some of you, you need to come to the Lord. Uh, some of you need to come back to the Lord. Some of you need to give your marriage to the Lord. Um, and how do you do that? Well, it starts by praying. So right now, whether you're online or on the patio or here. I want to go to a time of prayer. And if you love God, would you pray for people to open their hearts to him? And I'm going to ask God to stir and touch some of you who need to pray this prayer with me to commit your life to Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I praise you and thank you that that day happened that people waited 500 years for. And because of that day and because of what would follow when you would go to the cross and die for our sins and then rise again from the dead and send your Holy Spirit, we now can know you and know your love and know joy and know peace and know what we're meant for, the life we're we're supposed to live. So I pray right now, Lord, for anyone on this day, which could be their day, that they, they would know this is their time to open their hearts to you. I pray for a man who's here that um, he is just lashed out and hurt people. He's not sure how to get it back. I pray he's going to open his heart to you and come to you right now. I pray, Lord, for someone here who just feels so lonely And um, they've even wondered why. Why is it so hard? Right now those words are in their mind. Why has it been so hard? And I pray, oh God, that they would know that your love can change everything if they'd open their heart to you. So I pray for anybody who needs to commit or recommit their life to you that they would do that right now. For anybody who's afraid, somebody's afraid, they're really, really filled with worry and fear pray that would open up and let your faith take over. Right now, if you're ready to say yes to God for the first time in a recommit, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sins. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. And most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new, brand new. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen. Amen, and praise God if you said that prayer. That's such a cool moment, most powerful decision of your life. And on Palm Sunday and what that represents. So praise God for you. If you said that prayer, if you gave your life to Christ today, we would love to come alongside you give you some resources, answer any questions that you have, pray with you, talk with you, whatever it may be, you can go to crossroadschurch.family right now and let us know that you made a decision. We're not gonna bombard you or embarrass you, throw you a parade or anything like that. We're just gonna talk to you, pray with you, give you a Bible, a book, a really good book, um, and and, and go to crossroadschurch.family if you said that prayer and make sure that you don't do this alone.